Hello, you incredible human beings. This is a really, really fun interview that I did with Joe. And this is going to be helpful for you if you want to improve your health, want to improve your energy, want to improve your, your liver health and your internal health, uh, and also want to get a little bit more clear in the direction that you want to take in your life. So I actually hired Joe to help me as kind of like a, a spiritual type mentor of such, because she just has a really, really interesting touch that I think that you'll get a lot of benefit from. So I'm not going to say any more of that. Uh, let's get into the interview. I hope it helps you out. And we're live. Thanks for joining us, Joe. You're very welcome. Um, absolute pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me. My pleasure. I think this is going to be a really, really fun podcast. It's going to be a little bit out there and we're going to have some cool things to go over. And so where I'd love to start with, um, you, you do a lot of work with the liver um, and with you know optimizing liver health and nutrition and whatnot. I'd love to start with there because a lot of people often wonder, a lot of our clients, a lot of people I talk with often wonder, well, how is my liver functioning? Is my liver doing its job and you know, all that sort of stuff? And I'd love to start there if, if possible. How do we know if our liver is functioning well or functioning not well? So, you know, the first place I'd, I'd put direct people to, which was a, a, a great wealth of, you know, diving deeper beyond the knowledge I already had for the liver um, was... Um, and, you know, he's quite well known out there now, a guy called Anthony Williams. And he wrote a book called The Liver Rescue. Mm -hmm. And um, that really, it, it had, had me look at the liver slightly differently to how I had up to that point. Um, but, you know, we, we underestimate the role of the liver. After all, it's, it's the one organ that will completely regenerate itself um, and although, you know, uh, it will have a point to where it can't recoup, um, it is the fact that it's the one organ that will regenerate itself fully tells you a little bit about how important it is to us. Mm. Um, and, you know, I see the, the liver as our peacekeeper and, um, you know, and I really learned that term from Anthony Williams' book, um, understanding that, the symptoms that we have for an overburdened or struggling liver can, um, you know, be as simple as fatigue, lack of energy, um, you know, all the obvious ones around, you know, detoxification pathways that start to become blocked because the liver can't keep up with neutralizing and processing so the liver actually starts to bury a lot of toxins viruses pathogens bacteria into the core of the liver when it doesn't have the energy and the uh, resources on board to process those pathogens out because they have to be processed out through the blood so the liver's role is you know to uh, keep the blood clean along with the kidneys so obviously they work uh, in tandem together. And we start to see all sorts of skin conditions, mental, emotional issues. Um, we start to see bowel irregularity. Um, we start to see, um, you know, brain fog. Um, lack of, you know, energy, as I said before, is, 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 you know, probably the number one first red flag that there's an issue with the liver. 
that the moment your levels of, of energy start to drop, it's, it's you know, well documented that the number one cause that takes somebody to see their GP is actually a lack of energy. It's symptomatic of fatigue. And so there is, in, in the research that I've done as I've dug deeper, there are very few symptoms that cannot be correlated back to the participation of the liver. Well, I was talking with a guy called Perry Nicholson from uh, over in the US, very, very smart guy. And I asked him the, the same question. He said, well, you know, you've got a liver issue if you're alive because that's, it's, it's always going to be some sort like under stress of some sort. Do you share that view on that the liver's there or, or even more so if we look at energy um, and, and low energy, for example, do we say that in every single instance of having low energy that the liver's involved or is there only some of the time where it's involved? Well, I think, you know, the philosophy of how I approach the body is that um, it's a, a system of systems. Hmm. And I don't believe that one thing can happen in an isolated area and not affect to some level the other systems. So why do you approach it that way instead of if we look at traditional Western medicine, it's just like one symptom is one thing and that's it. I mean, you go to most chiropractors or physios, if you have a sore knee, they treat only the knee. Why do you suggest that it's a system of systems and that we need to look at the whole instead of just the one? Well, I'd answer that one, James, from my own personal experience of, you know, going back 20 years when I was bouncing from one you know, physician uh, specialist to the next, trying to overcome my own gut issues, um, immune issues, and I was just being bounced about uh, with no real what I would call a holistic understanding for what was going on. And so my own personal journey kind of from that allopathic approach which is, you know, as I came to realise through experience, very much treating this for that, um, led me down the road of, of finding Paul Check many years ago, some 17 years ago now. And I went and did his uh, Holistic Lifestyle Coaching Level 1 course. And, you know, that was a, a 360 on mm. how I was approaching uh, a problem like you so if I've got a you know a knee problem then it's got to be isolated to the knee um you know if I've got a shoulder problem it has to be isolated to the shoulder uh whereas there is no problem in your body that can occur that isn't affected by your breath mm. so you know we bring it back to what is what what sustains life yes breathing so before we go too much further, I'd love to, to double back because you have something which is, you know, I had it, you know, Perry had it, all the, literally every single person who I've talked to has been a practitioner is that we've all gone through, uh, had a health issue and it's been unsolvable. We've thrown every single thing at it, gone through all the regular conventional medical systems and none of them worked ever. Can you run us through your story and, and, and all the issues that you had? Sure. Uh, how long we got? <laughs> I know. I know. It's a long list, isn't it? But yeah. Just take your time, and 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 if we go through the whole lot, that'd be awesome. Yeah. You know, to to say kind of bring it to 
a summary. Um, I I was a chef for about 12 years and did a good job of burning myself out in the kitchen. A little bit of stress in that job. A little bit of stress in that job. Um, and got to the point where I realized, you know, it's not where I want to be anymore. Then I got into um, personal training, did Cert 3, Cert 4 in my personal training. And um, I, I had this thing that when I made a transition out of the kitchen as a chef into the gym training, I had this personal thing that um, I can't really be doing what I'm doing because, you know, I don't look like a personal trainer. I look like a chef who loves their food. <laughs> and so I had this, you know, identity crisis along with changing of a career. And I decided that there was only one way that I was going to transform my body, and that was to go and do one of these, you know, wild uh, transformational uh, competitions. So I entered into a, a physique um, bodybuilding competition, and it was, you know, a year's, a year's preparation. And, you know, that year, in that year, in hindsight, taught me everything I needed to know about how not to train the body, uh, how not to nourish it, how not to look after it. And it was really through that experience, which, you know, I'm in so much gratitude of now because it's taught me so much, but it also opened the door to a leaky gut because of all the dehydrated protein powders and um, protein bars and a diet that had no variety that was uh, far too much of the same. So I was lacking a broad spectrum of nutrients to support all the different systems of the body, to give my liver all the different nutrients that it needed. Um, and I was really, you know, unbeknown to me at the time, um, dying on the inside whilst thinking I was looking great on the outside. How so were you dying on the inside? What what was going on there? Um, you know, in the second year of bodybuilding, I um, started to really suffer from um, bloating and uh, distended abdominals. Um, then the big one for me, I remember even to this day, sitting in the cinema uh, watching a really long film and feeling my knees burning up and starting to uh, like chronically ache. And it was the end of the movie and I went to stand up and I was just like, oh, my God, my knees are killing me. And, and I thought the first thought that went through my head was, oh, my God, my mom's had two knee replacements. Don't tell me I'm heading down the same route. Mm. And that was, that was at the club you know, or, or the pinnacle, if you like, of, of me going, okay, I've really got to take a look at what I'm doing because clearly it's not serving me. Um, if anyone's, you know, done any kind of bodybuilding and followed that regime for any length of time, they know that they put themselves through complete depletion um, leading up to a competition in order to strip the body of the fat. And then you go through some nasty dehydrating um, processes where you overhydrate, you underhydrate, all in the name of getting this ripped look. And um, it was, you know, took its toll. And, you know, as a result, um, 
I found out later that um, I, you know, damaged my gut through a lot of the eating and supplement regimes. And that had left me with, um, you know, a leaky gut where I wasn't digesting my food. A lot of it was passing through the blood-brain barrier and creating pain in my joints, which is a really common autoimmune response to a leaky gut. Well, a lot of people will say that autoimmune conditions can, and I I do disagree with this, but a lot of the the conventional wisdom, wisdom in inverted commas, is that autoimmune conditions there's no no known cause for it. They just happen. So how can we point to it or how, how can we know or understand that that is what was actually causing all those symptoms? Uh, well, the fact that when, as I said, this happened at a, a, everything kind of came to this pinnacle point where um, I was suffering the gut issues. Now I was suffering in my knees. It was not shortly after that I started to get pain in my elbows. And of course, all of these are my major working joints as bodybuilder, uh, mm. squats, and bicep curls and all of that. Um, so all this pain in my major joints, one could say conventionally, well, that's an overused joint and you're overworking it. And that's why you've got, you know, pain in it. And you can go down that route and there's some validity to that approach or an analysis of what, what might be going on. Um, but I knew that there was more to it than that. And that, that was actually, I was at that point that I then um, got introduced to Paul Check and went off and did his HLC1. And that opened me up to a whole lot of wisdom and knowledge that I had no idea that was out there where I learned in those three days about what was going on in my body and potentially causing the pain the only way I was going to find out was to actually address the solutions that were given to me in that cause in that course that was going to potentially clean up the issues now as I learned on that course I was potentially suffering from uh, a disrupted gut lining where the villi had just, you know, um, become so irritated that um, it become damaged, whereby um, I had these little microscopic tears that was, you know, releasing undigested food particles across the blood-brain barrier into the blood system. And that's what would travel, creating a huge burden on the liver, huge burden on the liver. And also uh, leave you with, with pathogens, um, floating around the system that would lodge themselves and they would lodge themselves for me in my, you know, most used joints. That's where the pain in the elbows and the knees came from. When I applied, when I went away and I spent, you know, the next three months literally just applying what I'd learned from the six foundations and the four doctors, and I applied all the thing, all the principles of each of those six foundation principles that we learned applied within a model called the four doctors, the last four doctors you'll ever need. And within three months, my knee pain, completely gone. My elbow pain, completely gone. My gut, significantly better, not completely healed, significantly better. And, you know, today I still learn that my gut response has a a huge uh, response to my stress levels. So just on that, just quickly, like you, your, your joint pain was gone, your elbow pain was gone, all that was gone. Were you still training at this stage? Were you still exercising and doing that? So you hadn't just completely, you know, stopped. So it's not like we can adequately say that it was 
and over overuse injury. Like it was definitely this four doctors principle. No, I was an alpha female. <laughs> the most I would do is modify my training. <laughs> you wouldn't have me stop and just go, oh, not today. <laughs> well, I, you know what's funny is like, so I've obviously got a background, bodybuilding background as well. And the number of times where I had overuse injury, overuse injuries where I was told to stop and I would stop. And this happened for a lot of my clients as well. You would stop training and then you know, have X amount of time off it'd all get better. And then as soon as you go back, bang, the injury is just there immediately again, which suggests that a lot of the time, the overuse injuries, I can't say this for every single case, but a lot of the time, an overuse injury isn't an overuse injury. It's an under-recovery injury. Hmm. And an undernourished injury, right, where we're not getting the nutrients and the resources on board to repair that tissue, to repair at the level of the joint, the cartilage, the ligament, the tendon that needs the time to rest and repair, but also needs the resources to replenish the cells at a stronger, more vital level of strength and stability than previously if you've broken that down. Um, so, you know, and that's also what I learned was, you know, it's as much about the power of rest as we know as being our greatest anabolic force, um, but also the the nutrients we're bringing on board, what are our building blocks that is is repairing that damaged tissue? And so I see this so often with clients still, you know, reoccurring injuries are as much to do with um, a poor recovery program as it is to a badly resourced nutrient program to, to support that recovery. So well, if we look at a lot of the information which is going around on the internet, which is quite frankly, way better than what I had when I was going. But you see the number one thing that people say is just track your macronutrients and you'll be fine with training. Like that's it. Macros, calories, all that sort of stuff. Now, I imagine by your smirk there that you have a slightly different opinion to that. If we're only looking at those small little things, just, well, they're not small, but those, those important things, calories and macronutrients, if we're looking at that and we're looking at that in a silo and that's it, that's all that we focus on in our, in our nutrition, what are we missing out on? Oh, life force. What do you mean by that? Life force, health, vitality. Um, you know, we're missing, we're missing the building blocks again that I think, you know, until we have an understanding, and I, I was, you know, I was laughing before because, you know, what you were describing was, yes, that old school way of looking at things. Um, and I had it too. That's exactly what I was, you know, going through Cert 3, Cert 4, personal training, that there's few hours in the nutritional model that, module that you're given, um, that's what you were taught to count calories, um, know how many calories are in a gram of protein, fat, carbohydrate, and allocate accordingly based on your body weight. I know plenty of people with PhDs who say the same thing. <laughs> I know. Would they, As Paul Check would say, would they want to take their shirt off in front of you? That's a very, very good point. And there's something really to that uh, is is that a lot of these a lot of people who preach um, these these things when their methods aren't quite there, they never look terribly good, and they often have a lot of health issues, both mental and physical, right? Right. And so you know, I've come to I've come to first of all in my own healing journey, I've come to put a lot of trust. I needed at the point at the time to put a lot of trust in somebody who knew more than me. Hmm. and could at least start to support me to open up to that knowledge within myself. And 
you know, that person had to be somebody who was living an example of what they said worked. It couldn't be somebody like a doctor sitting behind his desk who's suffering from obesity and diabetes himself and listen to his suggestions on what I need to be doing for myself. I needed to find a mentor who was a living example um, of his living philosophy or her living philosophy. And, and that's what I found in Paul Check. Mm. Um, so I trusted that and I trusted that wisdom. Um, but, you know, what was that trust? That trust was putting it to the test. And that's what I'd say to anybody that's, you know, struggling with their health. Um, there's only so many books you can read, so many physicians you can go to before you start needing to pay attention and start listening to yourself. If we come back to what you asked me right at the very beginning, you know, how do you know when your liver is unhappy? Well, if you are attuned to your body, you will feel the aching of your liver. If you just palpitated underneath your rib cage, if there is tenderness there, that is your liver crying. So whereabouts do we do we palpate? <laughs> so up underneath the left rib cage. And, yep. And if you've got some tenderness there, then you can indicate that that would be a an unhappy liver. Gotcha. So your stomach. I do this in the mirror, so I'm hoping I'm getting the right side. I think it's the opposite way around because the liver, liver, is, liver is bottom right. I'm looking at myself in the mirror going, that's back to front, Joe. <laughs> that's right. I get my lefts and rights mixed up all the time. You're not the only one. So the left would be a stomach, right? Left would be a stomach issue and then the right would be a liver one? Your liver. So, you know, there's a little tip right there. If you just gently massage up underneath the rib cage um, and you're feeling tenderness, your liver's not happy. How do we differentiate? So we often coach, and a lot of our coaching, we do a lot of breath work and a lot of bright breathing and whatnot. One of the things we've got a lot of our guys to do is to release through the diaphragm and so that we can expand through there. How do we know that it's a liver issue, not a diaphragm? Well, with you could do a diaphragm release mm -hmm. and see whether or not that reduced the the pain. But what I'm also going to say, though, is when you go up underneath that, that rib cage, if you just relax your breath, take a deep breath in and then relax and just allow the fingertips to go up underneath, you are going to feel the organ, not the fibers of the rib cage. Yeah. Okay, cool. Okay. So we go back and we press there, right? And that sucks and it feels crap and it's not fun. How do we start fixing it? So then we've got to come back to um, our six foundation principles. We've got to come back to understanding that every organ has a energetic vibrational component to it. We'll come back to that in a moment. So in other words, there are certain particular uh, emotional vibrational frequencies mm -hmm. that are stored in, in our different organs. Um, the very first place that we would go, of course, would be water. That's the number one place that I go, first of all. Um, water is 
Another one of Paul's saying, the solution to pollution is dilution. And so good quality water, uh, we could talk for a whole hour just on getting the right quality of water and why that's important. But uh, it's a preface enough to say that, you know, we want to make sure that we're not drinking tap water to detoxify the body, uh, that we're actually drinking filtered water, uh, filtered of the nasties, but remineralized with the goodies and making sure that our water is uh, adequately uh, mineralized and is at a pH of seven at a, you know, a neutral level. We don't want it acidic um, because then your body has to bring the pH of the water up to a minimum of seven before your body will start absorbing it. So then you've already. So, so alkaline, like is it alkaline water? What are your thoughts on that? Um, again, it really depends on the situation of the individual. If you've got somebody with a cancer um, suffering from, from, from cancer, then a high alkaline water has its place. How so? Because one thing I've always been curious on is that the stomach is a very acidic pH. Mm -hmm. and if you put in alkaline water, it goes into the stomach, well, it's going to somewhat rise a little bit. Sorry, the pH is going to go down. It's going to become more slightly more acidic, right, as it passes through. Is that correct? Uh, not to my knowledge and understanding. Um, the water that you drink when it's at a pH level, uh, neutral, is what we actually require for the cells to take up that water efficiently. Yes. Okay. Um, when we've got uh, a, an acidic disease in the body, then drinking a high alkaline water will actually support those various levels of acidity to often they're acidic where they need to be more alkaline. If you, you know, looked at the... Um, different systems of the body as you go through the digestive system from the mouth all the way through to the anus we've got different ph levels yeah totally yeah so when you've got an, an environment somewhere you know as an example my mother-in-law she's um got pancreatic cancer um and uh you know one of one of the challenging things with pancreatic cancer is that it changes all of your taste buds mm nothing that would normally taste what it tastes like is is there anymore and, and water now unfortunately is a huge struggle because one of the biggest things that i'm trying to help her with is increasing her hydration and increasing the ph level of of her environment through the water um but she can't stand the taste of the water doesn't taste like water anymore and so you know that that's challenging but coming back to um, the importance of water for the liver to flush the liver out to, as I said, dilute the toxins and give the body adequate amounts of um, water, well mineralized water to flush the toxins out is is vital. How how long how long do we last without water before we're dead? Not very long. So then it becomes you know we only need to see what we can't do without to understand the priority and prioritize what our needs are actually are. Um, so with this, like in, in through your whole journey of, of getting better, like obviously you've gone down a spiritual pathway as well. Where did spirituality come into things for you? Hmm. Um, I think that that was 
you know, and the word spirituality, James, gets thrown around so much today. It does. You know, this new age lingo. Um, I hear all sorts of things. And um, I guess I just, for me, for me personally, you know, spirituality isn't something that we do. It's something that we are. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're spiritual beings. What do you mean by that? Um, we, we're universal beings. We're, you know, we're, we're, we're light beings here having um, a physical experience. We're both physical and angelic. We're both light, which is a vibration that is here creating in the physical form, having a physical experience of what it is to create through matter. But that's not all we are. And, you know, I know that will challenge a lot of people and that's okay. Um, but it's coming into an understanding that we are so much more than our flesh and bones. We are so much more than our personality, ego, identity. We're so much more than our mind can ever imagine that we are. And so opening to your spiritual nature, spirituality, opening to a, a deeper experience and understanding of yourself is, is that path of self-awareness. It's that path of awakening to the all of you, not just the physical experience that you're having here in this moment. What effect does that have on us from what you've noticed? In my life, um, it has supported me to really step up and 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 it's 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 supported me to come into to deep love and honoring of myself, which in return has allowed me to come and be of service in my highest potential. If we talk to a lot of people about this whole like deep love and honoring yourself, it's it's quite an uncomfortable topic to talk about because a lot of the time, uh, no one's going to say no, I don't love myself. But why the fuck would I talk about loving myself? Like that's kind of weird. So, what impact did it have on you? Or actually, even if we could juxtapose you before and afterwards, how before going through this experience that you had, how did you? What sort of relationship with yourself did you have, for lack of a better way of putting it, compared to like before compared to afterwards? Mm-hmm. Well, the first thing I'd say is um, I'm still going through it. Um, it's not something that is ever complete. So every day I am meeting parts of myself that is still looking to be loved still looking to come into acknowledgement of, acceptance of, appreciation of, approval of, all of which are acts of self-love. Could you give me an example of some of these parts that you're talking about? Yeah. So, you know, if I went back to my example when I was um, moving careers, transitioning careers, now I was in the gym criticising myself, judging myself, beating myself up emotionally mentally because I didn't look the part that I decided I had to look in order to be accepted as a PT in the gym. And so I would be really hard on myself. And that hardness and 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 um inner critic that wouldn't give up 
also the inner critic that drove me to do things to an extreme in my life, which, um, you know, I learned a lot from, but did I need to do them to that level if there was more compassion, if there was some more understanding, if there was some more appreciation? At the same time, isn't it that inner criticism which actually drives us and allows us to achieve amazing things? Mm, I would, you know, the ego can drive us to create amazing things, but that's not necessarily creating what's in your highest potential. How do you define it as being different? When you start to align to creating, co-creating with your highest self, with a greater part of your consciousness that's guiding you towards your higher potential, there isn't this, um, there, there is an experience of fulfillment and contentment. There is a, uh, an experience of grace in your life. There is not the constant pushing. There's not the constant battle that the ego will give you. Oh, that's not good enough. Try harder. Or you've reached that far. Now move the goalpost and let's have it this far. So with the ego, there's always, and the ego is wonderful. It can create amazing things in our life. We have beautiful, wonderful experiences through the ego. But the ego is never content. It's never satisfied. There's always something more. There's always something more. There's always a, a, a striving for the next thing. Is that a bad thing? Um, I don't know that it's, it's good or bad. It is what it is. Only the individual can be the have the discernment for whether or not they are actually at peace and at balance and in harmony with themselves, or whether or not they're still unconsciously reaching for something else, mm. something more, because there isn't contentment, because there isn't an inner peace. With contentment and inner peace, have you noticed that we can achieve more or less? I'll give you an example. A lot of the most successful, I coach a lot of guys who are very, very successful. You know, the average income of or like rev- business revenue of guys who I coach is something like 15 or 30 million. Like I worked it out just re- recently. Like they're, they're doing really well. Within a lot of these guys, actually pr- pretty much all of them, there's always an a area, there are varying stages of uh I wouldn't say malcontent, but they, they aren't content or they aren't totally at peace. And that is part of one of the part of the things which has actually driven them to the levels of success which they have. Do you feel that we are able to actually achieve that same level of success without that, you know, if we did have that peace, if we did have that contentness within ourselves? Well, I think that requires us to come back and define what success is because that's different for everybody. That's a really good point. So if we have somebody who's looking at within within our audience and a lot of the guys who are going to be watching this, um, if we look at with, with, we look at these guys and, and what we're trying to do and, and what I'm trying to do is we're all trying to be uh, the four real key areas in life, right? Health, wealth, relationships, spirituality. And success is having our own level of achievement or achievement to a level within that which we're content with in each of those. Um, it's lovely being at peace, but at the same time, 
being at peace and being totally content. If you don't have money, life kind of sucks a little bit. It's much more fun to go through life with money or with uh, physical strength or with having amazing relationships around us. So do you believe that if we're able to hit all areas of that while being totally at peace and being content with ourselves? I my my personal journey of of letting go of what I what my ego tells me is my higher potential mm. because I I drove that road hard for years and did a good job at driving myself into the ground at the same time because I was pushing pushing pushing. What was your ego saying was your highest potential? Um, having my own um, fitness studio. Um, having um, the focus being on the focus at that point whereby success was based on the revenue that I was making. So focusing on the financial aspect, not on the purpose, soul-driven aspect of helping others, service, that sort of thing. Is that what you're saying? That was always there. That was always my motivation. My motivation was always to help and be of service to others but because i had so much unresolved karma around my relationship to money and so much unresolved karma around my relationship to uh feeling supported and my ability to manifest and my power to to create i had to meet that i had to meet that unresolved karma and 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 i met that through constantly uh a state of lack Hmm. So, sorry, when you mean you had unresolved karma, what, what are you referring to exactly? I'm referring to consciousness energy, old self-limiting beliefs, old self-limiting beliefs in relationship to money, in relationship to my ability to create it, manifest it, um, generate it, um, my relationship, you know, to... Uh, it, it goes deeper than money itself because it's it's actually your relationship to the divine. It's it's your relationship to the universe. Are you supported? Does Mother Nature provide for you? Can you see that? Can you feel that? Can you acknowledge that in your life? Can you see the abundance all around you? Or are you programmed just to see the lack? And where there's not enough, because we know that whatever we focus on, we create more of. It's the law of resonance: like attracts like, opposites repel. Mm. So, I had, you know, this my my journey of becoming self-aware to the consciousness that I was holding, the energy that I was holding within me and creating with. And if I'm holding an energy of lack, poverty consciousness then that's the consciousness I'm going to be creating for the whole purpose so that I can become aware, so I can become aware of what it is that I am holding, what my level of consciousness is, and work with that energy, work to uplift it, transform it, a bit like downloading a new software program on your computer when the old one doesn't serve you anymore. Right, you've got to get you know upgrade your programming, and you know that's the the uh, 
energy work that I, I do today, the consciousness work that I do today is working very deeply with people to, to understand uh, the energy, the consciousness that they are creating with in their life, that they're creating their reality through the consciousness, through the energy they're holding. And all energy holds a vibration, which will hold a set of beliefs, which will hold a set of thoughts, will hold a set of feelings. And you will go out into the world and you'll create with that vibration through your thoughts, words, and deeds. And based on that vibration, through the law of resonance, you will create more of what it is that you're holding so that you can decide whether or not that's serving you. And if it's not, well, the journey is to realize you've got the power to change that. You and only you have the power to work, to master your own energy and expand and uplift your own consciousness. Only you have the power to do that. And I learned how in so many areas of my life I was looking for someone else to do it for me, just waiting to be rescued. The knight in shining armor on the horse scenario waiting to be rescued, you know, and it was, you know, a a tough, a tough eight, seven to eight years of meeting all those different parts of me, acknowledging that that's, that was the deeper energy, the deeper consciousness that I was trying to create my life through. No wonder I was having such a tough time. No wonder it always felt so hard, such a slog. Because that's what I believed. To get anything in life, you had to work hard. That was one of my belief systems. It's a it's a funny lie we get taught and indoctrinated in. Right. Very very funny. And and it's also interesting if we look at a lot of uh, a lot of us who like when we get stuck in these down periods, we often surround ourselves with other people who have those same belief systems around money's difficult. The only way you can get rich is to steal and thieve it. I, I grew up in an area where we had a, a weird mix of lots of wealthy people and lots of very you know poor people. And the mindset difference between the two parties was very, very big. Everyone who's rich said money's easy. Go out and get it. Hustle, you know, put in a little bit and you'll be you'll be loaded. And the other way is like, oh yeah, they all just steal, they all just take. And it's funny if you look at uh, all these limiting beliefs that we impose upon ourselves. From my end, it seems like they come from a place of judgment of other people. It always stems from that, and then it filters down into our own belief within ourselves. It's very interesting. Well, of course, that judgment is is one that you hold towards yourself that you're projecting outwards, and that's what you're experiencing. Judgment we hold towards ourselves, like as in what I as in so if we were to use the money example, is like that person's rich, I'm not. So there's a judgment of myself as in being in this place of poverty is not good enough. I'm insufficient here. Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what we're doing. Hmm. So so this obviously doesn't help us. Uh, I haven't met anybody who's ever loved their limiting belief. I, I haven't ever met any anyone who's enjoyed having it. I haven't met anybody who it's helped ever. I've never met someone fat who said, fuck shredded people. And then they've all of a sudden massive, just turned their life around. It never works. So where do you suggest we begin if we want to start to shed these limiting beliefs and actually be able to achieve our true potential? Well, it's a, you know, this is, this is the path of self-mastery, which is, um, it's a path of self-awareness. It's, it's taking time 
to become self-aware, to slow down. It's hard in today's world when you're on the, you know, um, on the freight train of go, 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 always busy, always busy, and you're always going to have a to-do list that over-prioritizes your ability to come, slow down, come into the present moment, become aware of the energy you're holding. So, you know, it's a, it's a practice of self-awareness. You know, all these great spiritual teachers out there, Eckhart Tolle, you know, um, Dr. Joe Dispenza, um, they all speak of the same thing. They have their own unique language. Um, but until we start to take the time and choose to devote time to ourselves to slow down and it requires one to take responsibility to step out of the victim consciousness of it's all happening to me and pointing a finger and it requires us to take responsibility over our power so you know i run a course uh, a three-year course which is um, a channeled course by um, a beautiful divine channel called Ishtar and she's dedicated um, her life's purpose to be in service to humanity and she has channeled uh, the ascended masters for the last 20 years and the wisdom and the teachings of the ascended masters. Okay, who are the ascended masters? Ascended Masters, she channels a group of 33, a council of 33 Ascended Masters that um, majority of them have once walked the earth. Um, so they've walked in our footsteps. They have ascended. So they are now residing in other dimensions as beings of light. And their service now within the realm that they choose to uh, reside in is to be in service to humanity, to help those here as part of the collective lift our own consciousness and start to step into understanding what we are, what and who we are, these very, very, very powerful creator beings. We have no idea how powerful we are. And the Path of Light, which is the first year of a three-year self-mastery course, the Power of Light teaches you all about your power, which is the divine masculine consciousness. It's the consciousness with which we governs your free will, your ability to make a choice and take action in your life. What are you going to choose and what are you going to do with it? That is your power. That is your light. You have the ability, you have free will to make a choice. You have free will to choose how you're going to respond or react to any given situation. And that is your power right there. And we call that your light because it's creation energy surrounds us. It's within you. It's all around you. And you're co-creating with it all the time. And you're learning about your divine masculine through the choices that you make in life and what they create for you and how you then go to respond to them or react to them. And so the first year is becoming really responsible. It's about 
awakening, becoming self-aware and starting to own, own your power and own what your choices are and own what they create and to start to work with energy, as we've said before, consciousness that sits in an illusion, another word for self-limiting. You know, when we've got self-limiting beliefs, they're an illusion. What do we say fear is? False evidence appearing real. It's an illusion. I like that one, false evidence appearing real. Right? But we, you know, we swear blind that that's real, even though it hasn't happened. The great Mark Twain quote is like, I've had many worries in my life, very few of which are real. Yes. Because, of course, it's never the situation. It's always what we think about the situation. It's never the situation that is the problem. It's what we choose to create or think about the situation. And so that's what Open to Channel is about, starting there. Is that correct? Open to Channel is a Open to Channel is a different course path of um, path of light, uh, which is called the Master's Way um, path of light. It's a, a three year course. Level one is the Divine Masculine, learning to understand the nature of your Divine Masculine and and the masculine consciousness. It's not got nothing to do with gender. Um, we all have the Divine Masculine consciousness within us. We all have the ability to make a choice. And we all have the ability to take action in our life. So we all have the divine masculine consciousness. The second year is the path of love, which is teaching you about your divine feminine consciousness, your ability to open to receive, your receptivity, and your ability to receive deeply from the deepest part of yourself, to receive from the universe, to receive from your own presence all that you need to be what you've come to be here on the earth. Let me ask you a question. If you don't take time in your day to deeply receive from the deepest part of yourself, from your expanded consciousness, not the little you, the expanded you, let's call it your higher self, the wise one, if we don't take time every day to receive from that part of ourselves, then what is it that we're sharing? Well, it's not going to be our highest potential. It'll be our ego. It'll be our shadow parts of ourselves. It'll be the little me. And we'll be out there sharing, not from our higher consciousness, not from the greater part of us that knows a greater, deeper truth, we'll be sharing from the small, the little, limited me that sits in doubt and fear, that's governed by the ego's needs and wants and desires, and will continue to control and manipulate and create choices for its own fulfillment of those needs, wants, and desires. But when you start to take time to connect to what we would call your feminine heart consciousness, which is where we go to 
replenish and rejuvenate and restore and be nurtured and be nourished by a frequency that for your audience, I would use the language by a frequency that is anabolic. It restores and rejuvenates and regenerates and leaves you feeling more whole, more connected, less separate. What do you think you might share from that place? A much, much higher level. Energetic. I noticed as well within me, so my my thing is very similar to you in the uh, personality type, very much uh, A type, dopamine driven, go, 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 go. The interesting thing is I found that when I spend more time to be more present, I'm far more creative and far more energetic than when it's just go, 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 and then just getting stuck on autopilot all the time. It's a much nicer place to create from. And then ironically as well, I had far more success from that area too. But that's because it's the womb of all creation. It's the birthplace of creation. That voidal space of no thing that gives birth to everything is the feminine heart of God. That deep space of silence and stillness within you. And the greatest challenge, of course, with our clients, with myself, was for years. I mean, I still work with it today. You know, the mind, oh, you got this to do, you got that to do, you don't have time to go and sit and just be. And the biggest thing that I've had to overcome is that until I shifted my perspective on what being rather than doing is about, when I realized that going and being, is what allows me to go and do more. Then I started to take on a whole new respect for the discipline or the devotion of sitting and regenerating, being in a state of receptivity and quietness and stillness to actually receive that anabolic life force to feed me, to nourish me, to nurture me, to inspire me, which is why we get creative. And the more I realize that the more time I I allow myself in that space, it's not where nothing happens, it's where everything happens. And whilst I'm so busy out there trying to make everything happen, if only I could spend a little bit more time in this space that gives birth to all things, then you will start to experience, as I have, that the experience of co-creation becomes so much more graceful, ease, ease and grace. You don't have to try so hard. You, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's the difference between you're now in a state of co-creating, collaborating, cooperating with the universe rather than trying to make it all happen by yourself. It's a very different energy. It's a very different frequency to be uh, creating in. Mm. Much, much the same as when you're training, right? You can only do so much at so many hours in the gym. It's the, it's the rest time. It's the recovery time afterwards. 
which allows the brilliance to happen. It will work. It's there's only so much action you can take. It's the planning time. It's the thinking time. It's the slow down time. As you said, the the, the yin and the yang. It's the yin time. It's the feminine, which is actually what allows us to create the real awesome stuff. Very funny that in our society we seem to really value the masculine and devalue the feminine, or we devalue the relaxation, recovery, restorative phases when they're actually the most most important in a lot of ways. Well, not most important, they're equally important. And so if anyone wants to learn any more about this, about what you're doing, anyone who wants to reach a higher potential, wants to be get able to get rid of their fear or their false evidence appearing real, um, what's the best way for them to reach you? Um, they can follow me on my Instagram page, um, which is Joe underscore Rushton underscore, I think. <laughs> um, my website, joannarushton.com. Um, yeah, they can, you know, I'm sure with a little, if, if, if they're intrigued enough, they'll find me. It'll work out. You know, if it's meant to be, they'll find me. I don't have a worry about that. That's perfect. Well, thank you very much for coming on, Joe. I've really enjoyed this chat. You're welcome. Thank you. Anytime. I hope you enjoyed the video. If you got something out of it and you want to learn more, click the link below or type in High Performance Conversations with James Can, and you'll be able to check out all the podcasts that we've done. We cover a stack of different topics, everything from getting your mojo back, overcoming anxiety, self-doubt, self-esteem, and learning from some of the industries and some of the world's top performers in both business and in health. Look forward to having you on there.